two or three weeks just around that. Uh, last couple of Sundays, uh, I spoke in the morning on uh, enlargement, fasting for enlargement. And so we shared with you about how fasting enlarges us in a whole number of different ways. Last Sunday morning, last Sunday night, I spoke about focus, the need to get focus clear sense of direction and focus meant you eliminate some things and you begin to center your attention on things that will get you where you want to get. And so it's very important for each of us to take responsibility. If our lives are going to change and shift, it'll come because you made the decisions. And while it's wonderful to be in an environment that's supportive and encouraging, you make the decision. And uh, so this morning I shared another message on fasting for enlargement, but made the focus what we do in our time with God that brings about change in our life. And we saw it was not just a matter of uh, trying harder. We uh, looked at the verse, beholding the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. And we saw that true change takes place when God's Spirit works in our life. You get born again, it's a supernatural thing. God's Spirit works in your life because you heard God's Word and responded. But then ongoing change takes place in a similar way. We, we tend to try hard rather than actually adopt spiritual principles for growth. And we saw this morning how if we will learn how to meditate, how to pray the Word of God, how to fix our attention on what God is like on His goodness the automatic thing that happens is we begin to be filled with the goodness of God. It would be holding His glory. In other words, fixing our gaze on how good God is, His mercy, His joy, His love, His holiness, the various aspects of what He's like. When we fix our gaze and begin to dwell on that, meditate on that, begin to relate to Him like that, then we begin to change. And we become like what we've fixed our heart on. And uh, we saw how to do I gave some practical keys how to do that. We are changed from glory to glory. In other words, that word glory means goodness. So as we behold the goodness of what God is like, and we begin to meditate on that and affirm it and welcome that and begin to agree with it and turn scripture into personal prayer, what happens is the life of God begins to flow into us and we begin to change. And we change and become like what we're watching. So if we're focused for a season, now you've got to realize that change doesn't take place quickly. It takes place as a process. We are being changed from one glory to another. So if I want to enjoy the love of God, if I want to be loved as a person, the Bible says be rooted in the love of God, then I need to center my affections and my attention, learn some scriptures about God's love for me, begin to meditate, picture, dwell on it, speak and pray that over my life until it begins to start to take impact in my life and my life begins to change. Most people, because their attention and focus is on the wrong things, and focus on the problem, focus on the lack, focus on the need, what happens is they become aware of that and they open their life to that rather than becoming aware of how good God is. When you come to pray for someone, for example, most times what happens is this. You, you ask the person what, what, what they've come for prayer for, they'll just tell you all that was wrong with them. And by the time they're finished, you just can't even believe that anything could possibly happen. See, so I've changed how I ask. I say, what are you believing God for? And before I even begin to pray for them, because I don't want to be focused on the need and overwhelmed by the need, I begin to meditate on Jesus the healer. I begin to fix my attention on him being the one who heals. And as I fix my attention on him being the one who heals, then healing begins to manifest. 
And then as you begin to pray, there's a flow of power. It's different. See? Okay, then. so those were simple keys. We could, should develop those some more for you because they're really important ways of learning how to work with the Spirit of God. This year we'll be running a couple of seminars on how to release the power of God and how to work with the Holy Spirit, and these are important keys for it. Now, I want to just share another side of it. I finished up this morning, and I shared that if we wanted to draw to, to experience the love of God, Jesus made a statement in John 14. He said, uh, if, if any man has my words or my commands and does them, then my Father and I will love him and we will manifest our love to him. So we saw then that, that walking with God and enjoying God is not just all about the praying part, that's a vital part, but it needs also to be accompanied with lifestyle shifts. And so we talked about serving people. And what I want to do is I want to just pick something up in Psalm 15. And uh, this is an Old Testament psalm, and so the ways of approaching God somewhat varied in the Old Testament to the New. But we're going to show you just what God calls us to do. It's nothing hard. Nothing is ever hard with God, but it does require a bit of perseverance. So we'll pick it up in Psalm 15. The character of those who may dwell with God. Isn't that interesting? It didn't say the prayer life of those who dwell with God. It says the character. What kind of person lives and abides in the presence of the Lord. Now notice what David asked in the first question. He says, "Who, Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who can dwell on your holy hill? The word abide means to remain in the presence of God. Who, the, the tabernacle was the temporary dwelling that God lived in. The, te- the holy hill was where the temple was built, and that was the place where the glory of God filled. So David has got something in mind. He is thinking, who is the person that's going to be able to access to where the presence of God is and live in there and stay there and run their life from there? What kind of person, what kind of characteristics are in that person that would enable him to live and dwell and walk in the presence of God? Now, most of us think that are puzzled by this issue of relationship. We don't understand that relationships... Uh, really depend on the kind of character. If you have a poor character, you'll never build good relationships. If you want to build good relationships, work on yourself. Work on your character, the kind of person you are. In other words, begin to look at the things that are the way you do things, what you believe, how you treat people, how you connect with them, how you, what your life is like, because that is vital to the issue of relationships. Today, people don't know how to keep relationships or make relationships work. And so the moment a problem comes, they want to quit. That is a character issue. That's a character issue. The marriage gets into problem, people want to quit. That is a character issue, an issue of abiding by the words you committed to. And the Bible is very, very clear in, in Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, Hebrews chapter 6 and uh, around the... I'll get it, it'll be around about verse 12. Uh, Don't be slothful or don't be lazy, but be an imitator of those, notice this, who through faith, that's believing, and patience, that's steadfast enduring, receive the promises of God. So if I want to walk and live in the presence of God, I must choose to believe what God says, and I have to endure or walk this thing out. It's not just something that happens instantaneously. In an older call, things can happen instantaneously, but to cultivate a lifelong relationship of living in the presence of God, I've got to actually walk right. I've got to live my life out. And I'm going to show you in this psalm 
about four different areas of your life that vitally impact your relationship with the Lord. Four areas of your life. And every one of them, you can look at one of these areas and say, well, Lord, I could work on that this year. Now, why was David so passionate about abiding in the presence of the Lord? In another place, he said, in your presence is fullness of joy. So if I am living conscious of the presence of the Lord, conscious of the joy that he is glad over me. A lot of people don't even see God as being glad. They think he's mad. They think he's, he's angry. You know, I'm bad, he's mad, and this is a, not a good day for me. You know, it's not true. So even if I've had a bad day, I haven't done the right thing. God is good. God rejoices over me. God sings over me. He will rejoice over you with singing. God rejoices over me. So I need to learn how to experience the joy so I don't live constantly burdened, you know? Why do people go down the pub? Because they want to be happy. But there's another source of it they don't know anything about. And we're meant to carry that. So Christians, which are sad and down and depressed, they actually... They don't represent what walking with God is about. The kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and an overflowing inner joy in the Holy Ghost. Huh? <laughs> joy in the Holy Ghost. Spontaneous. Being able to overflow. It's living out of something within. But there are some things that we must do for that. And I shared with you some aspects, the aspects of what, how you approach God, how you come into his presence. And we must come believing he loves me He's glad over me. He wants me to come into intimate relationship. He's willing to meet with me. I must believe that. The Bible says if you want to come to God, you must believe he is, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. Now, what happens? Now, this is a very, very common thing, is when a person first comes to Christ, or even if they've been a Christian a while and first come into this church, this is what happens. There is an initial flush of grace into their life. There is a flow of the grace of God. Grace is his empowerment. You can't see it, but, but something changes in your life. You begin to feel empowered. You get this a joy comes around your life. You're, man, I got born again. I really have it. All these kind of things. And so there's a season when it's real easy. Right? But then, if we're going to, and then what happens is people, after about a year, it's usually about a year to 18 months, then they begin to go into struggles And then they begin to find they're losing the joy, losing the life, and they start to give up. And then they stop coming to church, stop walking with God, stop doing all kinds of things. Because they haven't understood that to walk with God, I can't just live out of the initial generosity of God. I've got to actually build a relationship where I can draw on his life. And to do that, I've got to begin to realign my life through prayer and the word of God and through beginning to walk it out in my life. And Jesus said, if you have my commands and you do them, then we will manifest ourselves to you. So there's no life in God except we begin to change how we live. Now, looking at that, let's go and have a look. And you'll find there are four different areas the Bible says in answer to the question, who shall continually remain in the presence of God, enjoying him, walking with him. And the four areas are this. Number one, it infects your personal conflict. Your personal conduct, verse 2. Verse 3, your personal relationships, how you run your personal relationships. Say, verse 4, your personal values. And verse uh, 5, how you run your finances. So notice this, your, your conduct, relationships, values, and your finances. 
So if we're going to walk with God, then what he wants me to do is realign how I run those four areas of my life. And, if, and so God work only on one part at a time. You only need to work at one part at a time. Just take one issue. So let's just go through it and just identify what they are. Right? Let's identify what they are. Okay, let's have a look here. So first one, it says, who shall, uh, who shall dwell in the house of the Lord? He said, who shall dwell in your holy hill? Here's the first one. He who walks uprightly, works righteousness, speaks the truth in his heart. Now, it's talking about three areas of our personal conduct. Number one, walks uprightly. In other words, you walk in integrity. You have to learn to walk in integrity. Integrity means you're the same on the inside as you are on the outside. You actually stand up and begin to do what the right thing is. He who walks uprightly does what's right. So it's your walk, your walk, how you live your life every day. So today, are you going to walk uprightly? To walk uprightly means I'm going to set myself to do what's right each day. And so whatever situation, it doesn't matter what this one's doing, it doesn't matter what that one's doing, God, what is right before you? That's what I'll do. Okay? Who walks uprightly, who works righteousness, okay? who works righteousness, okay? and there it is, does what's right. You've got to do, work, to work something is you've got, things you've got to do. Now, when people hurt you, you can either be overcome by their evil by reacting to them, or you can overcome evil with good. You make the choice. You work what's right. That means you learn how to bless them, how to forgive them, how to treat them right. You find when you treat people right, when you start to act kindly to them, generously to them, honor them, value them, then you are actually positioning yourself to walk with God. We have to change how we treat people, how we live our life and how we treat people. He who speaks the truth in our heart. So that's talking about inner and outer honesty, about being authentic kind of person. And so usually we need people to give us feedback how we're really getting on. But to speak the truth in your heart means you're honest. You don't live in denial. I've, lived, I've walked around for a long time. I've seen that some Christians sabotage their life and they literally stop going forward in God because they won't admit what's happening in their life and face it and address it. It's the strangest of things. I can think of people now, I've got in mind someone right now, and uh, an area surfaced in their life about two years ago, and they have never moved on since that point. Because when the opportunity came and the issue was exposed, instead of actually facing the truth about what they were like, and then receiving grace to change, because when God shows you something is, is not right, he'll also help you to change it at that time. And that person just literally stopped in their Christian walk. They still come to church, still love the Lord. They just aren't going on. And I would think if I actually talk with them a little closer, they'll find they're not entering into and enjoying a great, joyful experience with God. See, we have to actually admit to the truth. Go learn to be a man of truth. Speak the truth in your heart. Be honest with yourself. Hardest thing is to be honest with ourselves. Most people, when you try and give them feedback, they just deny it, yell, blame, shift, do everything, except actually, oh, maybe you're right. One of the things that uh, you and I could do this year that would really position you for tremendous change would be to welcome feedback from people near you. That would help you face the truth. Hey? Oh, I got all quiet then. I see people hate that part of walking with God. But there it is, you know, it's part of it all the same. See, personal conduct, our personal conduct. Here's the second one. And uh, here it is in verse 3, uh, your, our personal relationships, the way we treat people. Notice three things here. He doesn't backbite with his tongue. He doesn't do evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. And notice here, first one here, doesn't backbite with his tongue. No gossip. 
See, no gossip. So if I'm going to walk with God, I must make a decision. I'll never gossip and speak behind a person's back. I'll never say anything about them behind their back. I wouldn't be happy to say straight to their face. I'll never take up the gossiping cause. See, you know, oh, you hear about something? That's how people go. They spread gossip, and literally, they wound relationships. If you want to be a person who walks with God, you say no to gossip. No to gossip. Sorry, why are you telling me that stuff? Why are you speaking to me about that person? Have you talked to them about it? Don't talk to me about that and run them down. I'm not into running people down. You need to discipline. Actually, if you hang out with people who run others down and are gossipers, either shut down the gossiper or withdraw from the gossiper. In other words, cancel them out of your future. You've got to actually make decisions, and what you'll find is you'll change the kind of people that are coming into your life. If you're a gossiper, then everyone will gossip about you. If you want to change all of that, then stop gossiping and refuse to let anyone gossip in front of you. Just shut it down or we'll walk away from it. So I'm sorry, I'm not, and say something. Don't just walk away. Say, I'm not comfortable to talk about someone behind their back like this and walk away. And what you do is it's like a verbal slap, but just leave people, woo, and they're left to understand what they've done is wrong. It's destructive, okay? So you know, gossip, no gossiping, eh? nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does evil. So those are actions, careful not to hurt people. So we've got to make sure that we don't intentionally hurt people or do things that will injure them. And if we do do that, then put it right. Put it right quickly. We've got no desire to hurt people, no desire to do any action that would harm them or destroy them. I've been quite shocked. Uh, I counseled a situation about a year and a half ago, and uh, we thought it brought it to resolution. And now the person has risen up, and they are strongly determined to hurt this other person. And my response is, this is wrong, it's evil, and I'm withdrawing from you. You can't be a part of my future. Because that's not the kind of person I am. I don't, go down, I don't walk like that. I don't live that way. We can't walk together if that's how you're going to carry on. Do you understand that? It's quite a grief to me, really, because I realize, man, this is a huge issue. But, but I can't, can't buy into that. Not going to buy into it. So you want to walk with God? You've got to understand these are really important principles of walking with God. And he says, uh, he doesn't take up a reproach against his friend. That means you don't pick up offenses. You know, one of the things I found is people get offended very easily, get hurt very easily. Since we've done offenses and, and the issue of offenses, people are much better in the church now about that. But if, if you've got an issue with someone, talk to them directly. The Bible says go one-to-one. Never go to, go one-to-one, sort it out. And so don't take up an offense. Don't take someone else's offense. You ever get on the phone sometime and someone's really upset and hurt? In fact, I had someone come to me. Uh, it was at a family gathering not so long ago. And uh, they came up to me and, uh, and I thought it'd be interesting to hear what they have to say. And uh, immediately they're beginning to try and justify themselves and try to actually uh, outline this, uh, this, this offense thing. I, said, I asked them the simple question. Have, it seems like you have a problem with this person. Have you been to them and talked to them? And they said, no. I said, well, I think this is the only way you can solve your problems. I can't help you on that one. It's not my issue. Now, they were trying to draw me into it. It's not my issue. It's theirs. And you should do what the Bible says, Matthew 18, go one-to-one to that person. That's what God says to do. See, you see, this is very, very practical. If I want to walk with God, this is how God operates. And the Bible says, how can two walk unless they agreed? So what this is outlining is this is outlining how God treats people. So if I want to walk with God and be a friend of God and be intimate with him, then I walk the same way. I just walk out these things. So these are, you could all find something you could pick up, I'm sure. I've got some I've picked up already. Okay, next one, personal values. Uh, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord, and he swears to his own hurt and does not change. 
Okay? So notice here, uh, in, his own, in his eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fears the Lord. Okay, so here he's talking now about our attitude to people. Now, one of the things is we tend to get impressed by people, get impressed by success. Someone's really successful. Whoa, wow, we get impressed by that. But listen, what's their character like? And I've seen these sportsmen and I've seen some people in business and some people in different arenas of life and everyone thinks they're great. I look at them and say, you're a mess. You know, I'm not into honoring you because I look at what your life is like and the, your relationships and your character, how you're carrying on, how you're treating. You're not the kind of person that I would honor. You understand how it's right to acknowledge success, but God wants us to honor character. So the Bible says the person who doesn't honor the vile person, in other words, doesn't get all wrapped up. With, I remember years ago, they got Ron Briley. And uh, Ron, they had this big meeting down in... Uh, in uh, one of the parks down there in Wellington, and thousands of people who were, he was making them a heap of money, and they went there, and they were shouting and ranting and raving like he was a god. And I thought, is, what is this? There's no way you should be treating this man like this. But you see, the Bible says, if you want to walk with God, you've got to honor those he honors. And he doesn't honor evil people. He honors those who fear him and respect him. So you find a Christian, a believer, who actually walks with God, fears God, honor that person. Honor them. Treat them with respect, treat them with value. You see, what you value and respect, you'll draw into your life. So if you honor vile people, you'll draw them into your life. See? So there's no need to honor or be overly impressed by people who are outrageously wealthy, successful, or achievers in any kind of way if their character is not good. But if their character is good, well, that's a different story. Then you can treat them with respect. I respect that person, respect their character, because their character is undergirding their achievement. See, a lot of people can have short-term success, but only long-life success depends on walking right. He who swears to his own hurt and doesn't change. That speaks of integrity and keeping your word. Now, what I've noticed over and over and over and over is people say, yeah, 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 I'll do it. And then, oh, man, oh, something come up. Now, what I could say is something like this. Uh, uh, Can I rephrase this? Uh, you gave me your word, but your word really doesn't count for anything, that when something else that's more convenient comes up, you'll do that and you won't stay to your word, so I can't really ever trust you. That's what it really means, isn't it? See, because if a person isn't faithful, they're not faithful. So a person makes a commitment, one of the things you want to realize is God is a covenant-keeping, faithful God. He never breaks his word. So if we want to walk with him, become like that. And that's what he's saying here, become a word keeper. So if you're committed to an undertaking, then be there, be there on time, do what you said you'd do, and do it well. And if you can't, negotiate a release. So in other words, sometimes I make commitments, later on I realize you can't quite fulfill it the way you'd hoped, and it's, or there's difficulty or conflict. And the Bible says, blesses the man who swears to his own heart, gives his word, and doesn't change when it costs him something. See, so you go, sometimes you may have to go and renegotiate your commitment. Ask the person, look, I committed to it and I am still willing to stand by it, but these things have come up. Would you release me from that commitment? If they say, look, we can't, we're depending on you, okay, I'll keep it. That's godliness. That makes you the friend of God. See, that's, that's how you live your life, how you work, work your way. Some people, you know, they made a commitment, they do this, and then, then they ring up, oh, I can't be there. How come? Oh, something come up. Well, does it mean your word doesn't count? If it didn't count now, it doesn't count at all. Understand? If you're not faithful in one thing, you won't be faithful in lots of things. 
And so, see, if we want to walk with God, we've got to actually begin to reorganize our lives so we begin to walk like he walks in the earth. And this is part of abiding with God. It's beautiful, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, here we've got quiet on this one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It'll be from the last one. And the next one, deal with finances. He who does not put his money out to usury, nor takes a bribe against the innocent. So he talks about two things here. The first one, usury is charging excessive interest. It literally means exploiting people financially, taking advantage of them when they're in a tough spot. And often people do that. So we need to learn to be generous, not tear someone off for the bottom dollar. They should walk away of an agreement and negotiation with us and feel that was good and they feel happy with it. But some people have got this mentality, you've got to screw it down to the last dollar, extract the last thing out of them. What happens is you actually uh, abuse the person and then eventually will rebound on you. And you don't, God does not bless that. God blesses us when we actually treat people well. So when your financial dealings, you've got to consider how you treat people. And so he's talking here, don't exploit people financially. There's heaps of ways we can exploit people. See, some people do things like, some people charge excessive interest. One of Doug's just come back from uh, overseas, and, and Andy came back from overseas, and what we found is they charge something like 40% interest, and locals are kept in financial bondage. They can't get out of that bondage because the, the, their income is just eaten up by all the interest just so shocking. They're kept in poverty. Now, that is actually evil, and I feel, well, we should do something about that. We should help people get out of that financial bondage and break the power of that thing over them, because in God's eyes, that is evil. But there's lots of other ways. You know, if someone does something for you, and then you don't pay them at the time when the, when the uh, account is due, that is actually exploiting them. It's not right to do that. You're actually, what you're doing is you're actually borrowing off them without their permission. It's not right. It's evil. It's really wrong. So we're going, to, we're going to handle things rightly and honestly in the financial area. He who doesn't take a bribe against the innocent. In other words, you deal honestly. No bribery and trickery and that kind of thing. Bribes, of course, are not so common here, but they are common right through most parts of Asia, most parts of the world. So I go, world I go, bribes are there all the time. You want something to happen, you've got to, you've got to do a bribe. And God tells us that bribing is not the way to get advanced. Now notice here, four areas of our life. The first one was the area just of our personal conduct, the way we live and walk. Second one was the area of our relationships, how we treat people. Third one was the area of our values, the way, what we value. Do we value godly people? Do we value truth? Uh, and the final thing was finances, how we, do, how we deal with our finances. Now notice what the promise is. He who does these things shall never be moved. Ne that's a strong statement. Never be moved means stability. It means you are a stable believer in your life. You've actually got the grip on what it takes to make your life run. It's your walk, relationships, attitudes, values, and finances. Put those in order, and you position yourself for things to take place. Let me just finish with something simple. I was just talking to a young man this morning, and uh, he was getting, he had got some advice from one of the businessmen in our church. And I listened to the advice, and I said, that is really good advice. And he said, this is what the advice was he'd given. He said, listen, don't go worrying about how much money you can make right now. He said, put the main things in your life right, and the money will come to you. He said, what you need to do is just put your roots down in God, focus on getting yourself established in God, in your relationships, in your character, and the money will come. I thought, good on you, Steve Petrosky, for saying a thing like that.
That was brilliant advice. I really appreciated him advising a young man like that. Uh, very, very good, isn't it? Eh? But it just comes out of Psalm 15. If we want to walk with God, it's not just about the prayer life. It's actually about how you overflow in your life outside. Your conduct, the way you treat people and relating to them, loving them, serving them, the way we handle our attitudes to people, and the way we treat our finances. Let me just close our eyes right now.